This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got the privilege to interview Blake Brewer. Blake, how you doing, man? Brett, I am uh, doing great, man. I'm happy to be here. I love what you're about. I love the circuit of success. And then, you know, I don't know you super well, but I do know Dan who works for right. you and Dan speaks really, really highly of you. Well, I'll give Dan some cash later, man. I, I would speak <laughs> just as highly as Dan and highly because he's what, like six, six or six, seven, however tall the guy is. He's uh, but he's an awesome dude. And he's a, just a just he's got a big heart and he'll give you the shirt off his back man he's a great dad a great husband a phenomenal financial advisor so we're lucky to have him and i'm glad he introduced it to us definitely awesome well you you got a great story man and we're going to dive into that stuff and and i know some of your passions in life are the the power of a, of a voice you know of a dad and and all that stuff and, and but talk to us about that what why the passion behind a father's voice the importance of it in somebody's life uh talk to us about that well, yeah. So I'm sitting here in Tulsa, Oklahoma with, uh, got an amazing wife. They're down in three kids are downstairs right now. Uh, I got a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a three-month-old and man, oh, I have, yeah, and it's, it's a zoo around here, but I really loving being a dad and I have absolutely embraced the number one calling on my life, which is, uh, to lead my family and to pour into my children and to teach them and train them and to be, a voice in their life, uh, in the same way that my dad was a voice, uh, in my life, which really leads to my second greatest calling in life, which is, uh, to help fathers and really empower fathers to, uh, be that voice in their children's life. Uh, and as you know, a father's voice can be, uh, one of the most powerful voices on the planet. Yep. Uh, and so I, I think really the best way to talk about, you know, the, the power of a father's voice is, is to talk about my own uh, father and the voice in, uh, in my life that he was for me. Uh, you know, I had a really good dad. He wasn't the perfect, perfect dad, but he did do something really intentional to get his voice into my life. Uh, I was talking to uh, Clint Hurdle the other day, the Pittsburgh Pirates old yeah. manager and the Rockies manager. And he's, man, he's doing everything he can to be a good dad. And he said, man, I just want my kids to look up to me and say, that's my dad. That's my dad. And when he said that to me, I was like, man, that's how I felt about my dad. Um, and so just like you, Brett, I have faced many different decisions in my life, uh, small decisions, big decisions. There's been moments in my life where I was lacking confidence. There's moments in my life where I didn't believe in myself. 
Um, and I had to persevere. And in those moments, because my father did this thing that we're going to talk about, uh, his voice was in my life. And my dad was there, even though he wasn't physically there. My dad was there saying, Blake, you've got this. You can make this. You can do it. Uh, one of those kind of fork in the road decisions uh, was when I was graduating college. So I got my accounting degree uh, from the University of Arkansas. And of course, I'm going to go get a business job. And then in that, and during that time that I was looking for jobs, I began to be recruited to go come on staff with this college ministry and that I'd been involved in. And so it didn't make sense at all from a worldly perspective for me to go do that job. I go get a business job. I can make more money. Right. Uh, I more financial security, a little more prestige, or I can go do this campus ministry job, less <laughs> prestige, less money, less financial security. And to be honest, I had a lot of insecurities and fears in it. And I real, but I will say, I felt like God was calling me to go do that. And I don't know if, if you've ever done this before, Brett, but whenever God's calling you to do something and you're like, but you're not sure you want to go do that. You and you're like, man, to make the call, right? Like, yeah. Call <laughs> like, yeah. Like I wanted a clear sign. I wanted to like, God, surely he's not surely calling me to go do this. And so I took several months to make this decision. And it was during that time that I heard my father's voice saying, Blake, if God is calling you to go do this, you just have to trust him as you're making this decision. It may not make sense. You may not be able to see, you know, five, 10, 20 steps down the road, but just take this next step, trust God, and he'll take care of you. And so I ended up making that decision to go on staff with this campus ministry. I thought it was going to be a three-year decision, ended up doing it for over a decade. The first five years I was at the college that I graduated from during that time, I met my wife. So if I had not made this decision, I would not be married to my wife. I wouldn't have the family that I have now. Then the next seven years, my wife and I would go launch a new ministry at a new school, a new state, same organization, but a new campus. And it was unbelievable what happened in the next seven years. We didn't know a soul when we got on this campus. We were hanging out with the fraternity guys, the sorority girls, not any of them. We couldn't find a single one that had any faith. And by the time that we left, there was uh, students in every single, this is down at Missouri state. There were students in every fraternity, every sorority quarterback of the football team who were all had faith. Um, by some metrics, we were one of the largest ministries in the entire country. And it was like, man, I could have missed out on all that God was calling me to do. And I'm so grateful that my father, uh, his voice was in my life. Tell me, make that decision. Um, but Brett, as I, as I think about what my father did for me and I think about the power of father's voice and I think about myself as a father now, it is so hard in the, the culture that we live, that we're living in the world that we're living in for a father harder than ever before, in my opinion, for a father to get his voice. Why do you think that is in our culture today that it's harder? Well, it's a, I'll give you three reasons and it's accelerating. Um, for all of history, um, fathers were very um, involved in the child, child rearing, and they were at home, and it was very much a part of their life. Like they very much cared about uh, their children and their legacy. Number one, there was no four hundred one k or anything, no retirement. So like they had to teach up, teach and train up their children, uh, who was going to take care of them one day. 
but for most of history, fathers cared more about uh, not their job, but their family and their legacy. Like they were thinking about their great grandchildren. And then the industrial revolution happened. Fathers go off to work. And all of a sudden in our culture, it's like the woman's job to raise the children. So culturally that becomes true. And so fathers start to have the mindset, okay, this is all the the woman's job or the mom's job. But then, so then in culture, you start to see even on TV, uh, dads are just portrayed as like the beer guzzling idiot. And so even really good dads, that starts to erode in your confidence and say, Oh yeah, you know, maybe I am, maybe my role isn't that uh, important. So that's the first thing that happened. The second thing that happened was uh, the information age, as far as like the difficulty in father getting his voice in his children's life. So now we're, and we have access to more information than ever before in history. <laughs> and there's so much information uh, and it's basically noisy and it's really hard for a father to get his voice in there when you're listening to, you can literally Google anything. And now there's so much information. We don't even know what's true anymore. There's an expert for anything. So I go online. I can't figure out like what is true. So I know this is happening for my children. Then the third thing happened which uh, the smartphone comes out. And so now social, now social media. And so now like the stats say that our children are on their phones seven to nine hours a day. So that's seven to nine hours a day that they're not listening to their father and they're listening to whoever. And so a lot of the times this is celebrities that, you know, we would never even feel comfortable giving that celebrity a child to raise on their own. But yet that celebrity is speaking into our life or it's not celebrities, but they're just uh, talking to their peers or looking at their peers. And all the research and data shows that when your identity comes from your peers, you're more insecure and you're less confident. But when your security is shaped by your parents and especially your father, uh, the father has the ability to help someone be more confident, more successful, to persevere in life. Um, but it's hard because every kid out there has a a smartphone. And so that's, and dad, good dads are recognizing this. And this is why I am so passionate, um, about what my father did for me to help get his voice in my life. And it's, um, even more apparent right now that fathers need to do something. And it's the thing that my dad helped me do with do for me. And now I'm helping other dads do with their children. Yeah, I think you're right. It's funny. My boys probably just hit delete and don't watch it, but there's, I don't know. I probably have done it a half a dozen to a dozen times that I just feel something on my heart to my kids. And if I'm driving down the road, I'll take a video and talk directly to them. I'm obviously watching the road where I'm going and driving, but I'm talking to the boys, you know, like, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. And it's, you know, you take this and feel defeat, but you got to battle through it. And, you know, just try to give them some advice because we don't know when our last time we're going to talk to our kids or our family, or our friends or whoever, you don't know that. Right. And so I want them to have a little nugget uh, from me if they can. Thankfully I've got this podcast. So if they get real, real bored sometime, they can go back and listen to hundreds of hours of it. But point being is I, I agree with you. I think that our message is so strong as is a mom's message, right? The moms, right. the moms. And, you know, no, no different than my six-year-old today. I was busting his chops on the way to school. He was missing his mom. And I'm like, what, what am I, chop liver? I'm like, 
you're, you're going to miss your mom all day, but about your dad, you know, come on. Uh, but anyway, it, it's, we're, we're, we're important, but I know we're here talking about dads today, but you mentioned, you, you mentioned numerous times that your dad did something for you um, that was really, really uh, left a mark in your life, left a dent in your life. So what was that? What can you share with us on that? Yeah, well, I'd be more than happy to share. This is a story that uh, I've been sharing the last uh, 18 years of my life in front of uh, many audiences, big and small, but it really goes back to May 23rd, 2003, uh, which is uh, the most, uh, the biggest day of my life and the worst day of uh, my life. Uh, my family and I, so my dad was uh, a CEO of a hospital here in Tulsa, and we, he was also uh, a professional football player for a second. He got drafted uh, by the Atlanta Falcons and uh, he was actually Terry Bradshaw's uh, tied in at Louisiana tech. So yeah, my dad, he caught Bradshaw's first touchdown pass. I've got a cool picture of Bradshaw and my dad with president Nixon um, in in the Oval office. So that that was my dad. And we took a family vacation. Uh, It was right after my freshman year of college to Hawaii. We had taken a lot of vacations, but this was like the coolest one, kind of the pinnacle of our vacations. And the first day there, we uh, went to Hanama Bay. And if you know anything about Hawaii, this is like one of the most beautiful beaches there and in the world. And as soon as we got there, we were jumping in the water, snorkeling. And it was my dad and my sister and I, uh, out in the water and it was just really neat, really cool. We saw a sea turtle, we saw fish and we came back in. My mom was laying out on the beach and, and my sister laid down, my, I laid down and my dad didn't lay down. And he was like, we were talking for a minute and he's like, man, we're in Hawaii. Like I'm going back out there. And, uh, you know, I already mentioned, you know, he's an athlete and everything. So he's like, man, he's ready to go. Oh, and I let, he started walking down the beach. I still remember this. He was walking down the beach and I was just, ba- I had this battle going on inside me of, man, am I just going to lay here or am I going to go hang out with my dad? And I was just like, man, I just want to go hang out with my dad. And I'd been off at college, you know, for my freshman year. So, and I just got home and I was like, man, I want to go be with my dad. And I remember running down the beach to catch up with him and, he looked at me and he, I just, I'll never forget this. He said, ah, look, you decided to join me and just kind of that smile on his face. And it was just in that moment that I felt like felt loved. And because there's, there's nothing like when someone just enjoys being with you, like when you enjoy being with your children, Brett, like there's no other way that you can show them more love than that moment. Wow. You just enjoy being with your children. So him and I, uh, put our mask on and just started snorkeling and him and I are both, uh, uh, guys who were going to seek adventure. So we weren't just going to stay in this one spot. We just kept going. And next thing I know, the water, uh, is a lot deeper and the waves have picked up and we're in an area that I now know is called witch's brew and the waves have gotten really big. And so I picked my head up out of the water and I'm like, where's my dad? And I, I can't find him anywhere. And then, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like the trough of a wave. So I can't even see around the waves. And then a wave comes and kind of picks me up and I can have a clear view. And I see my dad getting out of the water on this rock. And my first thought was, Oh, whew, there's, there's my, dad. I feel better now that I see my dad. But then it was like, why is he getting out of the water on this rock? 
um, because the waves are just crashing against this rock. And sure enough, as my dad is about halfway out, this wave crashes against him and knocks him back down in the water. And I remember thinking, okay, I've got to get over there to try to help my dad, but I've got to get out of the water myself because I'm exhausted. And I couldn't really see where he ended up. So I was like, okay, I'm, I've, the only place to get out of the water was that rock. So I swim over to the rock and by God's grace, I'm able to get out of the water in between the waves. And as soon as I am standing up on the rock, I look down and I see my dad and my dad is treading water. Um, but he looked at me and he yelled for help. And I knew that he was in trouble because my dad had this kind of loud booming voice and this yell for help was like a whimper. Another level you hadn't heard before. Yeah. And so I turn around um, to face the other side of the rock where the beach was and lifeguards were. And I just started waving my hands profusely and yelling and just hoping that somebody would come. But I, I mean, they How were far are you off the beach at this point. That's the thing. It's like several hundred yards. So like, they're like ants over there. Yeah. I'm like, there's no way that they, even if they did see me, they're not going to be here close or here in any timely fashion. So I turned back around and my dad was still treading water and I just had to make a decision. What am I going to do? And it's like, I can't just stand here and do nothing. And so I jumped in the water after my dad and started swimming to where I just put my head down and just swam to where he was about 20 or 30 yards away And by the time I got to my dad, my dad was underneath the water and he was unconscious. And so at this moment I was now I'm like, okay, this really is serious and I've got to get my dad to shore. And so I just put my arms around my dad and tried to hold his head up above the water the best that I could. And I had to start swimming and I had to swim all the way around that rock to try to get to shore and after I'd swam for several minutes and we're just barely making it, this, uh, this man appeared kind of out of nowhere on this rock and he jumped in the water after us. And, um, I'm so glad this, this man showed up cause I was, I couldn't make it that much further and I wasn't about to leave my dad out there. And so he took over swimming with my dad. I was able to go to shore. The lifeguards on their surfboard showed up about that time. And so they brought my dad to shore on the surfboard and they started doing CPR to him. And I remember just being on a knee next to my dad and just praying, um, God, would you please save my dad's life? Would you please save my dad's life? And I just, you know, in the movies, when someone is laying there and they're doing CPR and then they end like the water ends up kind of gurgling out of their mouth and their eyes open. Like, I just knew that that was going to happen at at any moment. Um, My mom and sister were over on the beach laying out and they see all the commotion and they see the lifeguards and everything. And they say to themselves, why that's where dad and Blake were. We better run over there. And so sure enough, as they're getting closer, they see what's going on. And I will never forget my mom just running up to me and I just wrap my arms around her and I said, mom, I don't, this isn't good. I don't know if he's going to make it. And they loaded my dad and my mom into the ambulance. Um, my sister and I gathered our belongings on the beach, got in the rental car and we had to go pick up my grandmother and brother who for whatever reason stayed back at the condo. And we're going to go pick them up and take them to the hospital. And I was, we were just praying the whole way. And I was dreading even telling my 
my grandmother and brother what happened, but his mom or your mom's mom, not that it matters, but it was my mom. It was my mom's mom. So she, she would go with us on vacation sometimes and we show up at the house and, uh, or at the condo and she had gotten a phone call from my mom at the hospital where they had already pronounced my dad dead. And so at that moment, just the air went out of me and we went to the hospital and I'll never forget Brett, just my dad laying there in the hospital, of course, still had a swimsuit on and he just looked asleep and it was just so surreal because one moment I was literally having like one of the best days of my entire life, like just swimming there with my dad. And then now this has happened. We went back to the condo and I, as the oldest son had to start making all those phone calls back to family, to church, to my dad's boss and people he worked with and let them know. And it was at that moment that after those phone calls that I just, I had to get alone. And I went to the back bedroom of my, of this condo. And I was just sitting there on the bed, as you can imagine. I mean, I was just totally distraught. You're 19 years old or whatever. 19 years old. My dad has just died. Um, I have. That you witnessed. Yeah. And I'm asking God, like, what the heck just happened? Um, are you even real God? Do you even care? Um, you know, I'm thinking about the future. What is the future about to look like? And it was at that moment, um, that my mom was in the other room. I didn't know it, but she was grabbed. She was going through my dad's stuff and she found something that, uh, she knew was for me. And so she came down to the room that I was in and she came into the doorway and said, Hey Blake, I've got something for, for you. It's from your dad. And I mean, my wheels are turned and I literally have no idea what this is about to be. And I can't see her hand. She starts walking across the room and now I see there's some papers. And again, I'm like, what in the world are these papers going to be? And she sticks it out to me and I can see at the top that it's addressed to uh, it says, dear Blake, Natalie, and Marcus to me and my sister and brother. And she said, for the last several months, your dad has been working on a letter, um, to give to you guys. And he was going to give it to you on the trip. Here's your copy. And so even before I started reading that letter, Brett, I knew that this was, going to be special that this was going to be my dad's legacy. Um, and I felt incredibly loved that my dad would take the time to write this letter to me. My dad did not know that he was about to die. He was just writing a letter to a 19 year old son, 18 year old daughter and 15 year old son who he knew needed his voice in our life and needed some guidance. And so I started reading this letter and sure enough, it was an amazing letter of just encouraging me, uh, to, uh, persevere in life that I'm going to face hard times. Um, you know, sharing with me how much he loved me, uh, and things like that. And so it was just unbelievable that in my opinion, God orchestrated this for me to find this letter at the exact time I needed to find it. Cause that letter absolutely got me through that time. And I like to tell people my dad might have drowned that day, but his voice did not. Yeah. 
because his voice is still guiding me to this day, right. 18 years later. That's one of the, I'm, I'm really at a loss of words. And that's one of those, I, I, I don't even know what to say next. Like it's uh, one, thanks for sharing your, your story. That is, I, I cannot imagine uh, what you went through that day and being the kid that was there and, and watching it and having to do what you did. So, um, just, you know, sorry that you had to go through that, but so, so walk us through, I mean, so you read this letter now, right? And I mean, I got to think you're just, you know, I, I mean, every hair of my arms and back were, were standing up, right, when you were mentioning that. And so, I mean, what was that like? And what is it like today? I'm assuming you guys still have that letter somewhere. And what is that like now to, to see the handwriting and to feel that piece of paper knowing that dad wrote this letter? Well, in the moment, uh, it was just like, like it was exactly what I needed because it just gave me, uh, as a Christian, just some assurance that my dad, I know where he's at right now. Um, I was still incredibly sad and it's not like I wanted my dad to die, but it just brought a peace to the whole situation. The last line that my, of this letter that my dad wrote, he said, you might be in the minority here on earth for your faith, but I assure you that in heaven you'll be in the majority Love your dear old dad in Christ Jesus. Like how in the heck does he write that line having no idea that what was about to happen? So that's why I say it had to have been um, of God. And then as, you know, 18 years later, I've, you know, gone from a college guy to a single guy at working to married guy, now kids. And it's unbelievable as, as that letter has taken on new meaning um, and the things that my dad wrote has continued to apply uh, to whatever new situation I'm facing uh, in life. So it's definitely something that I pull out and read all, a lot, but it's also something like I, I, I know it, like it's in my head, like <laughs> my, my, my dad's voice is there. Uh, and so as I face different, as I talked about earlier, um, there's been times in my life where I just, I didn't know what to do. And it was like, man, there's my dad just, Hey, you got this. Like you can, you can do this. Wow. Um, What's your mission now? And when you look at life and and now you've got these three kids and you, what'd you say? Five, three and three months. Yeah. God bless you, brother. (laughs) Man, it's, it's a blast. I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm the family horsey. They love riding me around. (laughs) I'm sure you have been there. It's it's amazing how fast it changes. You know, my oldest is is a freshman in high school. So 15 years old and 13 year old, a 10 year old and a six year old. And it it just, so enjoy those moments, man, because it like, like that as you're already experiencing with your oldest. Well, what are you going to do with that? What? Yeah. Yeah. So as, as you can imagine, um, I mean, this story is something that I've been sharing for the last 18 years and impacting people on all kinds of different levels. And with everything that's going on in the world, we talked about earlier, and especially now that I'm a father and I see the importance of a father and how hard it is, you know, as a father to, to be a good father, to connect with your children, when you have all the responsibilities and you're trying to do well at work, you're trying to love your wife and, and all of this was coming together. And it just, uh, I just knew that God was calling me to help other fathers, um, write a letter like this, um, like my, my dad did for me. And once again, I had insecurities or had like, God, are you really calling me to do that? And it was like, well, my dad's voice, like, no, you need to go do this. And so, you know, my dad didn't know it when he wrote the letter, but my dad 
wrote the first legacy letter is what I'm calling it now in this movement uh, that we have of, of reaching in the next 10 years, we want to help a, a million dads write a legacy letter, write at least one well-written, meaningful, lasting letter to their children. And it was one of those things just had to trust God and that it's going to uh, work. And man, it's been really cool as uh, doors keep getting opened up. Uh, I, I keep getting invited to share the story. Dads keep coming to me like, Hey, help me, like help me write this letter. Um, so that I can, um, have a letter, a legacy letter for my children. And so early on, I realized that it wasn't going to be enough for me to just inspire dads to write this letter that I like, like, like all my friends and other dads I knew were like asking for help. And so we crafted the legacy letter challenge, which is a uh, online course, uh, to help dads from beginning to end, uh, write this letter. Uh, and I hope dads uh, really pull the letter out that I tell them. I was like, there's a letter that's in your heart right now. Let's pull that letter out into your mind and then onto a piece of paper. And then I also through this course, uh, I help dads think through all the things that um, their children absolutely need to hear from them. Uh, and so there's things that every child needs to hear from their father. And, you know, I believe you believe in you. I'm proud. I'm proud of you. I love you. And so I help dads communicate all that and come up with the advice, like the top advice that they want to give to their children. And, um, Brad, it's pretty amazing. Uh, when dads finish this letter, I mean, dads are telling me like, this is the, this is the best thing I've ever done. Uh, as a dad. And they're like, this is making me a better dad. So it's really for the children, but the dads are like, no, this is for me because I'm becoming a better father as I start to live out this letter. Well, they just talking about it. I mean, I can't wait to get home right now and go hug my kids, you know, like, <laughs> I can't imagine going through this process, how amazing that has to be and the feeling that you have. And, and just know that you kind of put that exclamation point on it. Right. Cause to your point earlier, I mean, you, you didn't know that when you woke up that morning, your dad didn't think, well, I'm going to die today. None of us think that, you know, as I look at an interstate here, nobody knows they're going to be in a car crash or whatever may happen. Right. And I think it's, it's doing it before it's too late. And I think that's exactly what you're helping people with. And I think those doors are opening because when you go all in on something and kind of burn the bridges, burn the ships, whatever you want to call it, and, and know that there's nothing else other than you're going to be successful at this, you'll be successful at it. Right. And that's why these doors, because you have a purpose and a passion behind it. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause there have been moments overall. I'm like, I'm all in on this. Right. But then there's moments or weeks where absolutely. I'm like, is this going to work out? And I can just feel That's it in purpose, myself. Right? Yeah. My confidence goes down. And then uh, for whatever reason, those weeks, not as many doors open up. And then the weeks that I'm feeling really confident it's like, no, this is what I'm called to do. This is going to work out more doors seem to open up and we are able to move the ball further down the field. And so, uh, absolutely. Doing that, man. I can tell you, you know, being and uh, following my dreams for 20 years, it's you become what you think about and you become what you tell yourself repeatedly. And I say repeatedly, cause you have to tell yourself over and over and over and over what that thing is that you're going to become. And I think, you know, Matthew McConaughey said it in his Oscar speech years ago, but you're always chasing that person, right? I don't think Blake or Brett or whoever's listened to this, I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where we say, ah, I've arrived, right? I, I, I don't think so. I hope not, right? I hope we're constantly chasing that person, but 
I think when you continually believe in your dreams day after day after day and take the actions that you need to take day after day after day, then you wake up in a, in a different situation. And absolutely right. And honestly, that's the, the power of the writing the legacy letter for a person um, because now their father has written down um, those things that he believes about them. And so when a person has those doubts in their life and they're lacking confidence, they can, you know, does my dad really love me? If you ever had those moments like, well, man, you can go back to my letter. Like my dad wrote this in the letter. Uh, it's written down. And so it's something, you know, just as you know, there's some power in writing words down on a, on a letter. You, I, You're absolutely right. And I think oh. there's a, there's a huge business opportunity here for you. And I don't mean business from a negative point to say, hey, let's turn this into something, but that, that's what you've donated your life to, right? That's what you're all in on is there is a massive, massive business opportunity in this. We're going to talk about that later. We'll talk about it afterwards, but I, I can see stuff for you. That's going to go in many, many places and help a ton. Of well, I, I can already tell you some of the doors that are being opened up. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had, uh, in, like, a, a business person say, man, I want to buy a license agreement to give this to everybody else. I'm having churches, you know, contact me and say, Hey, we want to buy this. So all the dads can do this. Um, I, this morning I talked to a financial advisor in Houston, Texas. He's like, I am buying a package because, because your legacy letter thing is I'm helping dads financially leave a legacy. They want to do more than just financially leave a legacy. And so your letter writing course is now going to be a part of the package that I offer families. And so things like that are happening. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, uh, where do our listeners find more about this stuff, Blake? I mean, obviously, there's, is there a website or Instagram? Where do we find more about it? Yeah, so you can go to LegacyLetterChallenge.com slash Circuit of Success. And I've got a page uh, just for everybody that's listening wow. today. Awesome. So say that again. What is it? LegacyLetterChallenge.com slash Circuit of Success. Awesome. Well, we'll put that in the show notes as well, man. And then uh, you have a social media, anything like that? People can follow you and your story and what you're doing? Yeah, I would love uh, for people to go. If you're on Instagram, uh, go to the endurance underscore. And so we post a couple things a day. It's really centered around dads. And we do some Instagram live where we talk to different dads um, and uh, get some good fatherly advice. So it's come follow. Awesome, man. Love it. We'll put all this stuff in the show notes. Blake, it's been awesome uh, to connect with you on here. And I know Dan uh, thinks the world of you and that's why he connected the two of us. And uh, so Dan, if you're listening and watching, thanks for introducing us to Blake. Awesome story, man. And just can't wait to continue to watch your success long-term. Appreciate it, Brett. Love being here. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.